All right, let's light this bitch up. Let's get our notes out and let's get fucking started. All right, so first things first. Once upon a time, there was a baby stripper named Wednesday. Legit, my fucking baby stripper name was Wednesday. What the hell kind of shit is that? Like, I don't even, that's not even cute. I thought it was cute because of like Wednesday Adams. Because I was like goth at that point. I was like all black everything. Half shaved head. Ugh. Sorry, I'm like walking around. But what the fuck? My joint just went out. Here we go. Back at it. Okay. Okay. All right. I think we got it. Let's see. She hitting. I think she hitting. Let's see. Okay. Okay. All right. We are good and popping. We're live. We're lit. And we're turnt. Need a sip, actually. Mm. Okay. So, this is the tale of Spice, who went from bald to blonde, from Wednesday to Spice, okay? First of all, when I first started dancing, uh, I picked a name Wednesday, like I said, because I was goth. I only danced to, like, alternative metal like that was my safe zone because that's who I grew up I grew up emo I grew up punk rock I grew up a metalhead so when I became a stripper that was like who I was still I didn't know how to like separate myself or make a different persona and I was not in touch with my feminine side like not at all I completely like buried that portion of me down really deep uh, I think starting when I was younger, you know, just trauma and things happen. And I just kind of rejected that part of myself, I think, for so long that navigating the stripping world and just sex work in general and navigating adulthood, my femininity was just really hard. All right. I got to take this jacket off because it's freaking hot now that I'm smoking. But this whole outfit is so cute. But I wore this to work one day, and one of the girls was like, you look like a Muppet. And I was like, well, the cutest Muppet to ever have lived, okay? Might be a Muppet, but I'm no fucking puppet. Don't get it twisted. Okay? Woof. So, Wednesday began dancing at Deja Vu. Deja vu, French made hideaway. There was no pole. It was kind of just like a bikini bar. It wasn't even a titty bar because it wasn't topless. And we sold alcohol. Um, so it was like a lounge, a bar with French maids um, who did little stage dances and little lap dances. But there was no pole and there was no nudity. So it was very strange to me, um, but it was comfortable. It was comfortable to like get your foot in the water that way. And I started working there because I was a bartender. And then when I got hired as a bartender, he asked me if I would be comfortable doing dances. And I was like, yeah, sure, okay. Like, 
no big deal. And I didn't think it was, you know, I was like, okay, cool. Like I've always wanted to try it. It literally has been a dream of mine since I was a kid. That sounds crazy, but like I used to grow up and I used to one, want to be a bartender and two, a stripper. Like these were things that I saw in movies and in entertainment that I thought were like the most rewarding, most like entertaining, most like just had the biggest appeal the biggest appeal to me, you're wanted and loved by everybody and there's a lot of money in it. So I was like, cool. I used to want to be a dancer on Soul Train. If you know what Soul Train is, I used to want to be a dancer on Soul Train. And my mom would like get mad at me for dancing in front of the TV like a hoe. But obviously nothing changed, right? So <laughs> whether it was Soul Train or not, I ended up on some type of stage. So, oh God. All right, this weed is so good. All my stoner sluts out there. What's your favorite strain? I don't think I have one, but I need to be put on to something. All right, we're going to put that out for a minute. I'm going to get the ball rolling. So I was a bartender. I had a lot of regulars. I used to do dances for my regulars at first. So I never thought I was going to be a dancer like full time. And once I started giving lap dances, I was like, okay, I can do this. Like I'm super down. And it was weird because I didn't give any nude lap dances. Obviously it was just like dry humping on the clothes type shit. And eventually I thought that was kind of boring and I was like, all right, let's, let's move on to something better, you know? So that's when I kind of took it more seriously, changed my look a little bit after I shaved my head completely. I started buying wigs and changing my alter ego, changing my personality. Uh, my first wig was silver, like a blonde but like silver like that storm kind of look and I thought I was so cool and it was so cute and it was pretty hot I'll, I'll post some throwback pics um but it was insane I remember completely having like a revelation at that point and being whoever I could want to be you know and I was ready to move on from well, I thought I was ready to move on from being wasted all the time because when I was a bartender, I used to literally just get so tore up. Like, I'm talking... And I could handle it back then. It was weird. Now I can't handle it for shit. But back then, I would take probably, like, at least 10 double Patron shots. And that was, like, nothing for me. And I would lose my money. I would... My register was always fine when I was bartending. But if I was, like on the floor doing dances. My money was a mess. I would always lose my phone. I could never drive myself home. I had a breathalyzer in my car at the time. Um, yeah, I was lying to my sugar daddy. <laughs> there was so, so much nonsense going on when I was bartending slash dancing. And then when I switched to just dancing and <sighs> had a breakdown, shaved my head, fucking started wearing wigs, then, then I kind of got it together, but I ended up getting fired from the first club that I worked at, the Deja Vu. I think I got fired or just never went back. I should have been fired, so I think I'm just going to say I was fired. But yeah, um, 
I used to get into fights with the girls there and make them cry. I had a pretty serious incident there that I can't talk about. But yeah, I really can't remember if I was fired or not. But I was on so much like Xanax and alcohol. Like I blacked out for so much of that. For so much of that. And I wasn't full service at that time, obviously, because we weren't even like getting nude. But thank God I was not full service when I was fucking on drugs and severely suffering from alcoholism because now I drink like every now and then for fun at work but I don't need it to work and I definitely don't like my sales tactics when I'm drunk so I definitely um try to stay aware of that and not get too wasted because I get mean when I'm drunk very mean so yeah, that's my way. The way that I make money is that I'm charming and bossy and spicy, but I, I try not to be mean unless they like it, like some BDSM type shit. But yeah, so the deja vu days were full of alcohol, Xanax. When I first started there, like I said, I had a half shaved head. Then by the time I ended there, I had a fully shaved head. And that was because on my 25th birthday, so I started dancing when I was 24. On my 25th birthday, I had a fucking complete meltdown, punched my sugar daddy in the face, gave him the keys to the car that he had given me back, cut all ties with him, just some, and I wasn't prepared for that. I did not know how to manage those types of relationship. I didn't know how to manage older men, like, at all, like, I didn't know how to fucking finesse no, no way nor how. If I would know then what I know now, holy shit. Like, ugh, dumbass. But anyways, we live and we learn. We live and we learn. Um, yeah, that guy was a piece of shit anyways. And I got what I got from him. And I lost a friend out of that relationship because she went behind my back and basically, like, stole my sugar daddy from me. Ugh, gross. But... Yeah, we live and we learn, you know, we live and we learn. Um, I met him at Hooters when I was bartending, so I got my first sugar daddy and I was bartending at Hooters, and then I literally quit. <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm going to focus on other things, and I went to work at a different brewery, and then I started um, dancing and bartending and, you know, blah, 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 and then... Right when I shaved my head, that's when I basically quit Deja Vu shortly after starting to wear the wigs. And I took a break and I went back to bartending um, at this Irish bar and at this dive bar in Pomona. Oh, my God. Like, literally the diviest dive ever. I got into a fight there and I punched, like, a 40-year-old woman in the face. And she did not see it coming. But I don't care how old you are. Don't come at me. I will fucking put hands on you. So, anyways... Yeah, I started bartending and at other places after I quit the VU slash got fired and I bought a poll on Craigslist and me and my bestie started just throwing ourselves on it for like a whole summer. We would just practice and there was bruises all over our body. We were not good. I will, well, maybe I will show the videos of me when I first started dancing. They are terrible. They are horrible. I cringe like being a baby stripper is so terrible okay but listen to me when I say you will get through it just keep going okay but ask the other girls for help with your outfits ask them for help about stage presence because 
I was like in a hot mess, okay? And I thought I was the cutest thing ever and no one told me anything. Y'all are foul. <laughs> mm. Oh yeah. Um, during the time I bought a pole and I was just bartending, chilling at home, um, I auditioned at a few places. Let's see. Um, Deja Vu City of Industry, Knockouts Arcadia, uh, Angels Anaheim, Library Anaheim, and then throughout all those clubs, Spice was born, and I started doing full-service sex work once I started getting around to other clubs and meeting sugar daddies and starting to see clients outside the club, people who actually had money. I was shocked, you know. Um, at Deja Vu, the city that it was in, um, in Ontario, there's no ballers there. Sorry, just not going to happen. So once I started seeing that the industry is really based off of like locations and how you can increase your money based off where you work i was like oh shit okay so i want to work at the best places so i was determined to get better not get fired from anywhere control my drinking have a good look have a good approach and have a good stage presence because that's really what it's all about so during all of my times with wigs i wore long black hair, curly blonde hair, red hair with like black roots, um, short wigs, blonde, platinum, like long. And I made the most money as a platinum blonde. So when I finally grew my hair out from shaving my head, I decided to go platinum, obviously. And it was kind of the best decision I ever made, I think, for aesthetically pleasing the industry you know what i mean like when i worked at the library anaheim it was oversaturated with like blondes so it wasn't like something i felt that i had to do because there was already so many and there were already so many brunettes you know what i mean but when i started working in la there's not that many blondes i don't know why there's not that many blondes at my club i'm pretty sure i'm the only blonde unless someone decides to wear a wig so that kind of works in my favor, but yeah, I decided to go blonde because I made the most money as a blonde, no matter where I went. So I was like, okay, well, we're just going to do this. And then it stands out in my club, especially because I like to dance in like pink and neon and it really stands out in the blue, like black light that I choose to dance in because I only dance in like blue light or black light. If you're dancing under red light, you are doing it wrong. It is horrible, unflattering, and you look like a specimen. You look like a science experiment. Don't do it, okay? Okay, stop dancing in the red. You know, red is only good for those silhouette TikTok things, okay? We're not promoting red light. I literally scream at my DJ if he doesn't fucking change the light for me. So, anyways, um, let's see. Some memorable moments at some of the clubs that I worked at in order to get to where I am, I would say the library Anaheim really shaped me because I used to hang out with regulars there who lived at like Fashion Island and Pelican Hill and really set the tone for how hard I wanted to go in um, my sex work career. And like one guy didn't put me on game, but, like, he just was, like, I'm going to pay for you to get your eyebrows microbladed. Like, you need that. And I was, like, 
okay, like, yeah, I do need that, but I'm not going to pay for it. So he paid, like, top dollar to get my eyebrows microbladed and kind of showed me, like, the standard of, like, what works for wealthy men, you know, who was like, this is the look. It's kind of simple, uh, classy, slutty, but well put together, well-rounded, you know, and I kind of learned from that. I didn't get groomed by anybody at all, but once I started receiving gifts and money and all of this advice, I just kind of knew what to do with it at that point. Uh, you get influenced by the people you hang around, and I saw the other women that these men were hanging around and, like, sugaring with, and I was just like, oh, okay, like, I need to be a top, high-class hoe, you know, campy, running around, looking cheap, or, like, just tacky, or immature, or, like, young, like, I started to make myself want to look older as opposed to younger, and, I mean, I look, I would say, young for my age, I'm about to turn 30, I'm 29, but I started to grow up mentally, and when I started to grow up mentally, it showed through my personality through my style choices through my music through everything like I just stopped fucking acting like a little girl you know and I grew the fuck up and I got out of my feelings and in my bag and if I needed to change myself to fit an environment that I am not going to be in forever then that's what I was going to do so that's exactly what I did and I will not apologize for that. Some people are like, you've changed. Oh, my God. Like, look at you. You're all pink everything. And I'm just like, so? <laughs> like, if you did what I did, you'd probably have what I have. And you didn't have to. And I didn't have to. But I chose to. And that's fine. So I don't like when people pass judgment. And my next episode is going to be called The Pink Pandemic. And that's going to go into detail into why I am the way I am now regarding to all the pink, you know, because yeah, that's definitely new and a part of my personality that definitely developed through the pandemic. So that episode is on the pink pandemic. So for now, you can judge me. You can say I'm whitewashed. You can say whatever you want, but you can't say I'm fucking broke. Okay, moving on. Let's take a sippy sip. Mm. Mm Mm-hmm. Now take a sippy sip. Let's relight our joint. Let's get back and see. Sorry, I'm going over my notes, guys. I'm not used to recording and my co-host is not here. So I'm trying to keep it interesting. I'm trying to pay attention. Bear with me. It's my first time, you know. Light it up, smoke it up. Here we go. All right. Appreciate your patience, guys. Gotta get high. Okay. And I haven't smoked flour in like, oh, probably like a week. I've just, when I get my pens and I have them both loaded, like I don't even use them. So, flour gets left behind. All right, so we talked about um, Library Anaheim. I also worked at Angels Anaheim, which is like a divey little <coughs> strip club. I know like a lot of bad bitches that work there though, so it's so weird because I hated it. <laughs> I thought it was like just 
tacky and the stage is like this tall like literally you go on stage and if you climb the pole you're literally like gonna hit your freaking head just by climbing it one time like it's freaking retarded so i didn't like it one because i'm a pole trick girl if you didn't know i am a pole trick girl that is also how i make my moolah you know and i was not always that way i was not always that way So there was uh, angels in Anaheim that I said it was like a little divey stage was small, blah, 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 blah. But like I said, I know a lot of money makers there. I didn't make money there. I met a sugar daddy there, but that's all I took from there. So where else? Uh, Knockouts Arcadia I got fired from for showing up on a shift that I wasn't approved for. You So also in the industry, you have to get used to managers making up shit or just doing shit for the sake of doing shit because they can and they like to have power over us and it's just there's no like any rules or guidelines to this you know every club is fucking different it's ghetto as fuck let me tell you let me just tell you okay there's no employee handbook there's no rules and regulations there's no fucking hr okay it's just you and yourself and your money okay that's all there is, so that's all I got to say about that. So, yeah, let's see. Where else? Deja Vu City of Industry. I worked there for, like, one shift. It was also ghetto as fuck and cheap. Like, I just didn't like it. I was used to, like, the library, which was a lot of stage money and the dances were cheap. But that's where I made the most money out of all the clubs. So I didn't really make much money at Angels. I just got a sugar daddy. Knockouts, I didn't make shit because I didn't work there long enough uh deja vu city of industry i didn't even try because i didn't care for it and library anaheim was mostly all stage money because their vip rooms aren't really vip rooms and well i don't know i just i don't like topless bars anymore or topless strip clubs like i am just not into it it's kind of boring to me I've seen all the titties already. I'm trying to see some ass. I'm trying to see some butthole. I'm trying to see some JJ, Like, bust it wide open. I will make it rain. But, like, titty bars in me, like, we just don't, I just don't care for them anymore. And I wouldn't pay for that. So, that's why I wouldn't work at those places. And the stage money is just not, well, I'm going to adjust to stage clubs this year. Because I am exiting out of full service sex work. So, We'll see. I'm going to have to discover that new chapter for myself. But I personally don't like working at topless bars or topless clubs like with alcohol. Because most people just want to drink and their dances are too cheap. And the rooms at my club are $600 for a half an hour and $900 for a half an hour. So there's just no way that I'm going to go to a club where it's like, a hundred dollars for half an hour like it's just not gonna happen (laughs) you can't make me do it i won't do it god bless you bitches that do but i can't see myself no i can see myself working at a stage club and only doing stage but you're not gonna get a dance with me probably not it's just boring i don't know my vagina is so pretty i love to show it off and i love seeing all the other vaginas and that's it. I'm just a hoe who just likes showing my vagina and, like, looking at all the vaginas. That's just all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> so, uh, let's talk about me 
moving to LA because that's when Spice was born and when I started making all the big bucks, okay? LA did not disappoint at all. Um, I moved to Culver City, I think four years ago. I think four years ago at this point. Um, I had an ex that was living out here I used to hook up with him and see him, so I would come here and fuck him, obviously, and then he told me about a strip club that him and his friends used to go to that I should um, audition at, because he had already known I'd been working at the library. He's like, you should try LA, you know, think you'd be good in LA, and he'd always been so supportive. Um, I used to be with him when I first started stripping. And our relationship didn't work out, but he's still a really good friend of mine and still supports me to this day. And literally, the only reason why I work at the club that I work at now is because of him. I would never have auditioned there if it wasn't for him. So I'm very grateful um, to have him in my life and for him to be my ex-boyfriend. So, yeah, I auditioned at my club in Culver City. I got hired, I don't know, I think it was like a Tuesday or a Wednesday night. And I didn't work that night. I told them I would come back and... Uh, I don't remember. I think I was working like two or three days a week when I first started there. And I was commuting from uh, Claremont. I was staying with my mom in Claremont before I got um, my apartment in Culver City. So then I got my apartment in Culver City. And I was literally one mile away from the club I work at now. And I strategically did that. And I feel like that has been a huge factor to my success is I have made myself like so made my club so accessible to me anywhere I've moved I will I refuse to commute um I don't drive first of all I uber everywhere or I drive cars that my clients or my sugar daddies have given me over the years and right now I don't have one who has given me a car or anything well I did and then I crashed so yeah that didn't work out (laughs) crashed the car so, yeah, I'm Ubering, which I love. I can't, like, ugh, I just love Ubering. It's just so much freedom, and I get so much work done in the back seat, or I just take a nap and just, just chill. I don't have to worry about traffic. I leave with enough time, so I don't even care if there's traffic because I'm just, I don't care. We're on my time, and my time is never rushed. So, yeah, so... Living a mile away from my club definitely set me up for success. Because when I first started working there, um, like, full-time, like, fucking six days a week, I also was waitressing there. Um, We don't serve alcohol or anything, so it's just, it's a full new club, so it's soft drinks. But um, I would waitress and dance, so that was awesome. You know, I got to make money uh, waitressing, and then I also had the privilege of being able to dance at the same time and I would waitress during the day slash dance if I need to or um because it was like if you wanted to you could so um if we didn't hire a waitress like a specific waitress or we couldn't find someone then a dancer would basically pick up the shifts and if she wanted to do dances that day she could and if she didn't want to she didn't have to and sometimes she made enough money to where we'd just be like, no, like, the other girls, I'm not going to do that to them. It's kind of a respect thing, you know. So sometimes you would, sometimes you wouldn't. But if there was only, like, one or two girls on the day shift, then, like, the waitress would technically kind of have to step in and help out run the show. So 
I was waitressing and dancing when I had to, and then I would clock out from the waitress shift, and I would dance all night. So I think we opened at, like, noon. I think, yeah, day shift was, like, 12 to 7, and then night shift was, like, 7 to 4. Yeah. So I would work those entire hours and those entire shifts. I would waitress or just go in for the day shift if I wasn't a waitress uh, because I lived so fucking close. Like, why not? I was just sitting at home getting high. I would literally just sit at the club and get high and wait for people to come in. And it was lovely. It was lovely. Um, I would just leave, go grab a drink because there's a bunch of bars nearby. I would tell them text me if people came in. So I had it pretty not easy, but I made sacrifices so that I had that freedom to do that. You know, I didn't have any roommates or anything that were like needing me to do things for them or any family close by. Um, I didn't have any other like jobs, which was scary. Um, my last paycheck job was the back door in Pomona. And that was the one where I got into a fight with that Mexican lady who was like 40 years old and yeah that was my last paycheck job and then I just started relying on the club and it was really scary so I realized how much it takes to make money at the club and it not necessarily availability but sacrifice definitely sacrifice and a vision like if you don't have an end game or like a goal you're kind of not going to get anywhere or get anything while you're waiting because you don't even know what you want, per se. I would say. Like, you're working, but you're not working for something. You're just collecting money, which can be good, but (coughs) I wouldn't (coughs) recommend just going in it for the money because the money comes and goes and (coughs) disappears. (coughs) just like that and if you don't know how to curate it or keep it coming back to you yeah it's not gonna be a very (coughs) enjoyable lifestyle because it's just gonna feel like a chase you're always just gonna feel like you're chasing 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 something because you don't know what you want at the end of it so it's just always like grab 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 but if you're after something then you're taking a piece of everything you have and putting it towards that not necessarily money, just your mind, your emotions, your commitments, you know, dedication. It's a feeling. It's an intention. If you don't have an intention, you're going to get lost in the sauce. That's all I'm going to tell you <clears throat> about that. So also I want to point out like when I moved to Culver City, I was legit sleeping on a futon, the most uncomfortable futon ever. It had this like metal rod in the middle of it so you couldn't sleep in the middle of it you had to go on like the left or the right side and yes you had to be all the way over here or all the way over here (laughs) and I would have girls over from the club ask to spend the night like who were drinking because they know I lived close or just like wanted to sober up or whatever and we I've slept on that futon with like three girls and those three girls I'm friends with one of them still um have seen the growth and effort and sacrifice and people can call me bougie all they want now that's fine but I'm still the same girl who grew up where she grew up and will still sleep on the floor with fucking nothing like if I have to that's what I'm gonna fucking do and I'm not gonna fucking complain about it because that's how I was raised 
and I can survive without anything. The fact that I like to spoil myself now is nothing is nothing um, to be taken away from who I really am. And I, I don't like that judgment that's kind of been put on me. And I'm like, yeah, I'm bad and bougie, okay? But do not forget the same girl who just... Remember the Pomona days. Remember the Pomona apartment when you think of fucking me being bougie, okay? Even my Pomona apartment was bougie. It was so cute. It was Halloween everything. It was the opposite of my vibe now, but it was 99 cent store bougie. It was so cute. It was just, I loved that apartment. And I love this apartment, and I love all the phases of my life, and I'm grateful to share it with you guys. So, yeah, like I said, slept on a futon for over a year I think like two years till I actually bought a fucking bedroom set because I just didn't care I I really didn't care and I was going through a lot when I first started moving out here I did get depressed moving to LA for the first year Mm. I used to get drunk and cry on Instagram like all the time just for who fucking knows why just who fucking knows why but yeah so I just didn't care and I was focused on work and I was just trying to save for a better apartment too so fuck the futon like we're trying to get something going here you know so blah 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 um my friend roger by the way he's the one of the other reasons um and people i want to thank along with my ex who made my life in la possible because he used to let me borrow his car all the time first of all to take myself to whatever bartending job I had or he used to let me take his car to go audition at strip clubs or just to work I would be like yo can I use your car tonight I'm gonna go to this one club and he would let me he was so down for me and I fuck with him till the day I die so Roger love you I will never forget how he literally packed up a u-haul full of all my shit I drove his car to LA and he followed me in a U-Haul. He unloaded it all into this one room and I was renting a room. Um, I was renting a room with my roommate Lily and then we moved out and got a better apartment together and then I moved into the apartment next door to her, my own. So that was a cute little journey for me and something that I kind of forget about. And Lily, if you ever hear this... um, I love you, and I'm sorry, and I would love to touch base one day, so I wonder if I could track you down. I don't know. We lost touch. Uh, we lost touch for sure, but I'll never forget that bitch and the dogs. Oh, God, those dogs, but <clears throat> anyways, Lily and I <clears throat> had an apartment. Oh, well, I rented a room from Lily in Culver City while I was working at my club. Then we upgraded to our own apartment together, a two-bedroom. And then I moved in next door to her into that same apartment complex um, because one became available. I saw someone moving out, so I texted my landlord, and I was like, yo, is the apartment next door available? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, I want it, I want it, I want it. I was making enough money at the club to pay for it. God, I still wish I had it now, like... Oh my god, if I could have that apartment now compared to what I'm paying right now in rent, holy fucking tits. But there was absolutely no parking in that area, and I live in a better area now, so I'm not that mad. I'm really not that mad. I'm closer to where I want to be, which is in Beverly Hills, literally. <clears throat> it's right next door. So, 
the next upgrade will be Beverly Hills for sure. But my dr- fucking apartment next door to Lily's was my first like stripper apartment all to myself. I had a pole downstairs. I had a whole wall in the living room covered in mirrors. It was literally like a dance studio. And I had two bedrooms upstairs, a sick bathroom, a nice tub. I had a glam room with a vanity and all my hoe outfits. I know if you guys have followed me, you guys remember that apartment. You remember that closet way before you remember the pink closet for sure. Because that closet was also something else. I mean, everything I do, I do it right. I do it well. And I fucking do it with some spice. Okay? And I feel like... Everybody has the capability to do that. It's just owning who you are and being proud of it, you know? I don't think I'm doing anything when people think I'm cocky. I'm like, I'm just proud of who I am and it sells. So I'm not going to dim my light for nobody, okay? Mm. Oh, yeah. I had that apartment, which was also like a mile and a half away from the club. So our first place together when I first moved to Culver, like I said, was like a mile away. I could fucking throw a rock there. And then our second place was probably like a mile and a half away. So I was always super, super, super close to the club. And I made that evident. I told her I do not want to leave Culver City. And we found the perfect place. So I got another Sphinx cat. I was fucking living my best life, furnishing it my own way and you know at that time like I was doing OnlyFans and dancing and I don't even I don't know when I stopped waitressing I think I stopped waitressing when I got too many regulars at night and I was too tired to fucking deal with the day shift nonsense but definitely um waitress for quite a while day shift night shift day shift night shift but um that's where Spice was born, you know. I didn't change my name to Spice uh, from Wednesday until I started working in L.A. Or was it? No. I don't fucking know. Or was it Wednesday when I worked at a library? The world will never know. Someone needs to tell me if they met me at the library and if my name is Wednesday or Spice. Because I don't fucking remember. I feel like I changed my name to Spice when I moved to L.A., But I also feel like I changed it halfway into my Library Anaheim career. I could be wrong. I don't know. I need to ask somebody. Someone needs to tell me because I have no fucking, no fucking idea. But anyways, um, I also was freestyling like everywhere, anywhere when I moved to LA. So when I was out and about by myself, I was hunting for clients all the time or just making myself available and sitting with intention you know if I'm gonna be in a room full of people I'm gonna sit in the best position I'm gonna be in the best place in the room you know I'm gonna facilitate that that's what I do so I ended up meeting a lot of people out and I would say I work at the strip club right down the street and I would always keep little business cards on me and even if your club doesn't have little business cards on you like make your own you know like literally just make your own little fucking business card with your dancer name and the days of the week you're at the club like that's all you have to put so I would always give out our cards and I would just freestyle and I met sugar daddies that way I would go out to fancy dinners that way I would just get little shopping trips that way uh it's just like networking ho networking you know so 
That's what I did. Um, I also started doing little pole lessons out of my apartment, which was cool for a little moment in time. Um, I was just working a lot, playing a lot. You know, my dream apartment just kept getting better and better over time. And then it was all ruined. It was all ruined by catastrophic event. I met a guy in, I don't fucking know what month. I met a guy at the library at Anaheim and I rejected him for about a year. And then he ended up breaking me down and making me go to brunch with him like a year later. He was asking me out for like a year though in my DMs for like a year. But I met up with him, we had brunch, and we were inseparable after that, and I was completely loved bombed by someone, like, in the middle of my prime, essentially, well, now, I would say now I'm in my prime, but what I thought was my prime, um, and it completely put me off track, but this situation taking me off track led me to the biggest comeback ever, and the comeback is really when I started becoming a top earner. Like when I was making money just in Culver City, I was able to, um, you know, obviously have my own apartment eventually. Like I moved out of the roommate situation. I moved in next door. I was able to support myself. I was able to go out. I had freedom, but it's definitely nothing close to the money that I'm making now. So this situation that set me off track really helped shape everything else on top of that. Um, so yeah, um, a month after I went on a date with him, my only brother passed away and it was literally, I think, I, I don't even know, three weeks later after like me and that guy's first date and it completely devastated me and it changed my life and I completely lost my way of life and completely surrendered, uh, my freedom my thinking, my balls. Like I was not strong anymore in any sense of the word. And I was overtaken by what I thought was love, but it wasn't. And we'll just spare all those ugh, details because he doesn't really deserve all this credit. But anyways, when I came back, um, I came back with a vengeance. I had lived with him for a year because after my brother passed away, I stopped working for a while and he was supporting me along with my other sugar daddies at the time. And the pandemic came right after that. Like the pandemic started talking in 2019 and then in 2020, it just got bigger obviously. And we had a shutdown and when we sh when LA shut down, I got rid of my apartment and moved in with him um, in Orange County, which was not the biggest mistake of my life because I think I learned more than I've ever learned about myself in that time. Um, but yes, I completely lost my way, moved to Irvine, gave up my apartment. I was completely and financially um, taken care of. I didn't have to work that whole year. And if I stayed with this guy, I would have never had to work another day in my life. Um, but I wasn't happy. I couldn't do that. I was ridden with grief and guilt and anger. I hated him. I hated myself. I hated my family and it was just not a good time. And eventually I 
had a what I think was my spiritual awakening and it was on my birthday trip which was in October of 2020 yeah October 2020 um I got an email on my birthday from a psychic medium whose waiting list I had been on for a couple months and she finally responded which I thought was so weird and amazing that she emailed me back on my birthday letting me know she had availability and of course I booked it and not only did I book it she told me that the next availability and my appointment date was going to be 11 11 so my birthday was 10 25 and I was basically getting to come home from this trip and just patiently wait to go meet with this woman who I had hoped was going to reconnect me with my brother and what are the chances that it happened on 11-11, you know, it completely, it, it was like, woe to me then, but with how spiritual and how guided I am now and aligned I am now, it's just, it was completely necessary, and I truly believe that everything in my life um, happened this way for a reason, so it's hard to give people advice because I feel like everybody's path is so different, and what works for someone else may not work for you and vice versa but you know I just want to be open and honest about what I've done and what I did and how I view things and I hope that it helps anybody or makes anyone feel seen or loved or inspired because my life has been a trip (laughs) and somehow People seem to find it interesting or find me amusing for the most part. Um, I do think my life is a big fat joke and I think it's a great joke, you know? And it's a joke that lands well, so I'm not mad at it. I'm not mad at it. So, um, yeah, I did exactly what I told every girl she shouldn't do. Like, I gave up my apartment, I gave up my freedom, I gave up my job, I stopped talking to all my clients, all my regulars for that relationship. And I would not advise anyone to ever do that again. And that's exactly why I have not dated since. I refuse to have any relationships while I am involved in sex work in any way. Um, yeah, <laughs> learn my lesson. Don't do it. Don't do it. And if, anyways, 11 uh, 11 comes around. Like I said, we come back, well, we come back from my birthday trip and we break up and I'm completely iced out and I'm pretty much bullied out of this house and bullied out of the life that he had given me for that time. And I was completely lost. I had no idea what I was going to do and LA wasn't open. There were no clubs open. Like Orange County was kind of open, but it was weird. Like there were clubs outside. Like I was not knowing what the fuck I was going to do. So until I went to this medium, I didn't have a fucking clue. And when I went to this medium, my life literally imploded in the best way and completely broke down everything that I was going through and set me free from the shackles I was in. And it felt like I was like caged, you know, and it was so not pleasant and I don't wish that type of hell on anybody. Like I still get choked up talking about it because it's, it was such a hard time in my life and it really, 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 really did set the tone for who I am now and how hard I work now. So sorry guys. (laughs)
that I get emotional when I talk about the beginning of the end of that situation. Because um, it was just horrible. It was horrible to go through that and to come back out of it when nothing sucked. Um, I left that medium and I went home and I told him I was moving out. Because we hadn't spoken since we broke up. It was just he was sleeping in one room. I was sleeping in another room. And I came out and I told him I'm leaving. You know, we don't have to do this anymore. You don't need to avoid me in your own house. Just leave me alone. I'll be gone soon. So we just agreed to disagree and acted like everything was normal. And he was just, like, trying to help me apartment hunt. But I was just like, don't fucking help me. Like, this is just... Don't try to fucking help me. I fucking hate you. So... But I have to be nice to you, kind of. Like, it was weird. I, It was just a weird time in my life. But anyways, um, I moved back to L.A. less than 30 days after that medium appointment. Uh, on December 6, 2020. Yes, so I went to my medium thing, 11-11. And I was back in L.A. in this building that I'm living in now. I was in this building in a different apartment unit. Mm. And... I'm still here. It's been a year since then. We just passed, you know, the one-year mark. It's fucking almost February now. How crazy. Mm. But, um, I came back to L.A. with nothing. Literally nothing. When I left him, I came back with my cats, my side of the closet, and my toiletries. Because I had gotten rid of everything from my two-bedroom apartment that I left to go be with him um, and live with him during the pandemic. It was a very harsh reality to come back with nothing um, because I had already lived on my own since I was like 16, 17 years old and I have collected a lot of things and I lost a lot of stuff that was important to me because... Well, he just wouldn't let me bring anything. And he had just bought a new house and everything was brand new and already furnished. And he was just rushing me so I didn't get a storage unit. And I didn't really care about my stuff because I was just sad about the death of my brother. So I was just like, fuck these things anyway. Um, So I just got rid of a lot of shit and I regret it because I just did it um, without thinking and because I was under pressure and it was it was hard to come back and realize that I had fucking went down to the dark side and went bitch mode and became numb and it was just oh so embarrassing to see my past self and what she allowed so yeah I just sat and cried for days when I first moved back to LA and my clubs I had worked at before wasn't open. I didn't really know if I was going to not be necessarily welcomed back, but I just kind of stopped working there. And, you know, I had to go audition again, basically. It was just, it was just uh, lonely and dark. I literally had a mental breakdown where I was laying in the shower, well, in a ball, just like shaking and heaving and crying and I believe like that was the second part of my spiritual awakening because I've had depression almost my whole life and I've struggled with anxiety and I've had anxiety attacks I've had like panic attacks and this was just so different it was like a very 
painful awakening and I just couldn't stop crying and I couldn't stop feeling and it was I was literally like pleading for someone for anyone to make it stop because I felt so alone too I wasn't talking to my family pretty much the whole year of the pandemic that I was living with my ex um and when I came back, I still wasn't talking to them. And I finally broke down and told them, like, I need support. And I left my ex and I need support and I'm not in a good place and I have nothing. And reached out to them. And I don't think that helped me, but I think it made me realize that I needed help in general. Maybe not from my family, but I needed help in general and I wasn't ever okay asking for help and I did that so I was proud of myself for that for sure definitely um but after that breakdown I really realized like all I had was myself and I had to survive and the place where I was living was not cheap you know but it came furnished it was in a nice area it was still close to my club because I still knew that like that's where I needed to be and where I needed to get back to so I strategically moved again close to the club and once it reopened I definitely went back but from December to April I was hoeing hard like so hard I'm so glad that I'm healthy and safe still because I definitely um I wouldn't say I was reckless um but I took chances and I took risks and working the streets and you know the oldest form of sex work you know is the scariest form you know and people are safe online people are safe you know working in brothels safe in clubs but online is not safe and the streets are not safe and those were my only avenues that I had at that time um, I was able to rekindle one relationship with one of my sugar daddies and that was awesome I felt like I had a little bit of support but I still couldn't count on him for everything it had been so long and to be honest he was a little disappointed in me and not he didn't know if he could trust me but he definitely um, needed to rebuild a relationship with me after it had been so long so I was working multiple websites like sugar daddy meet millionaire match seeking arrangements what's your price and I even had multiple breakdowns like during my dates uh, on like on, with these clients like if they asked me something too personal or that was too close to home like I was in such a fragile state like it was not fun being a sex worker at that time because of the mind state I was in and the healing that I had to do it sucked um, but it made me so strong now and I have so much gratitude every day and towards every customer and towards every approach because of all of those harsh moments um, when I was working online, working the streets, it really, really gave me some armor. <laughs> so now when I come in the club, I feel undefeated. I feel like a champ. I... I've gone through so much and I've survived through so much. I have so much strength in all of my life experiences that it really shines through my personality with who I am at work. And people want to help people who help themselves. 
people want to help people or be a part of something that feels good or they want to invest in you. You just need to give them a reason to. And it's up to you to curate yourself to be that reason. You know, we are our product. We are the only people who are pitching our own sales, you know. So I really just became super confident in who I was that I felt like nothing could really phase me at the club app when I came back. And when I came back, fortunately, I had learned a lot uh, from the streets and from my clients. And um, I got myself in some pretty good situations with some really interesting, unique clients that I'll cherish to this day who are still part of my life. And, you know, I had those scary moments. So when you've lived both sides, you just know how to walk right, (laughs) if that makes any sense. You just know how to assimilate into certain situations because you had to do it when it was hard and you've been there when it was fruitful, you know. So, like, I definitely didn't know what I had before um like when I had my apartment when everything was good for me before the pandemic when I moved in with my ex and everything I did not know how good I had it and I was a typical stripper you know typical titled brat like even though I learned how to finesse and even though I learned how to dress and learn how to dance and learn how to look I was still entitled and now I can Now I can approach situations so differently because of how much I've endured and how much I've had to pretty much, like when I was bald, I had to overcome those obstacles. And you know, when I had to change my look for that, that was the first thing. And then when I had to change my look, when I came back here, and reinvent myself um it was kind of round two of that but in a way more empowering way because I had lost so much but when I came back to the streets I learned so much and I rebranded my look I raised my price I set a new menu I was meditating manifesting um I was screening clients all day messaging people all day literally all day and I was going to breakfast, lunch, dinner, coffee, just drinks, anything um, to meet some of these guys before I actually had met up with them. Some people I met up with same day, same hour. It was, you never knew what was going to happen. So um, it was a lot of risk and a lot of reward. I was Ubering everywhere, city to city, houses to hotels, um... I had multiple breakdowns during this time, you know, and you'll never know what it's like to fucking, I don't don't even know, like, when you lost it all and you have to go back out there and no one's going to help you and, like, no one's going to suck that dick for you, no one's going to fuck that dick for you, it's brutal, you know, and it's survival and I have so much respect for all sex workers you know like call me a brat earlier for saying that I wouldn't do or dances at like a stage club where it's mostly 
topless dances i prefer all nude because the prices are higher but that's just my preference now but if i had to do that i would do it no hands down and i don't judge anybody who does and i would do it with a smile on my face because i know that you can always lose everything you know and i will always be comfortable at the bottom because you can only go to the top from the bottom so i'm not afraid of the bottom you know and there's no telling how many times you're gonna have to go there in your life to get to the next point so i don't put anything um beneath myself you know i don't i have a preference to not do it but i'll fucking do it no problem don't test me so um that's um something i just have to say about that because i don't want anyone to feel some type of way like i'm too good no i'm just being bougie is part of my fucking attitude now i love it i have it's a way that i cope too you know like i'll be honest um the way that i spoil myself like it definitely is unhealthy because sometimes i do it just to shit on the men that um have hurt me you know i just like i'm doing it to rub shit in their face like for why like i'm already better i already have everything I hate you, but for some reason, I still feel like I have to rub salt in the wounds, but I'm just being honest, you know, so, um, I met a lot of cool clients, crazy clients, I've only been really scared one time in my life, uh, and I don't really want to talk about that yet, but we can definitely talk about it later, and you're free to ask questions about that, but, um, I briefly got hired at Cali Girls in Santa Ana, and like I said, I just didn't like the club, or the prices, so I didn't stay working there for long, and I just held out for dear life, and kept working online, and kept meeting up with people, and kept just meeting random guys when I was out and about, and when my club finally reopened in April, I came back with a vengeance, and uh, I had curated my look already for myself, I was already in the all pink mode, I was living on planet pink, I was already doing 22-inch hair extensions all the way from January. Platinum. My nails and toes were always done. My lashes, I was got obsessed with um, eyelash extensions this year. I used to accept my body, but I didn't love my body. And this year, I really didn't give a fuck. And I loved every piece and every inch and every blemish of my body. I just, like completely fell in love with myself this year and self-love is so important in this industry and people really gravitate towards that and if you are in a negative place like that is the energy at which you're vibrating at and so that's what you're gonna get back towards you the energy you're putting out you're gonna get so I always meditate journal manifest uh, I do a lot of bath meditations before work so I always take a bath before work but this year I really accepted myself and I did the work and I worked through a lot of my trauma. I still have many things to work on because it's a never ending fucking experience of peeling through layers and layers and layers. But I'm glad that I'm doing it and it's been such a successful year for me, 2021. Like holy shit. I work six days a week. I was there literally the first one in, the last one out, 9 p.m. to 5 a.m., it was my livelihood, you know, I had no personal life, no relationships, I was always bailing on my friends, um, it sucked, it was lonely, but it was so rewarding, and the dark places that I had to go to before, and, you know, the place that women have to go to every day 
people will never understand and the respect that I gained for myself and obviously for the other women in my community is so humbling every day that I get to do this you know like I have the freedom as a woman in my country to do this you know it's not no one can do that everywhere so coming back and being so well received after such a hard chapter of my life and after so much blood sweat tears and cum like I literally couldn't believe I made it out the other side and that is just the that's my everything is making it out of the other side because I was not okay (laughs) I was not okay um when I came back my abundance mindset was so strong and I built so I built such a good clientele when I came back and I had already been at that club for so long I was still family and I was welcomed back and everybody knew me still and everybody was wowed by my presence because I had changed so much you know there was no denying that my look was completely different um what never changed about me though was that I always was edgy well spoken it was funny comforting charming spicy but now I was well-rounded and expensive and it took a long time to get there you know um yeah even my out call clients that I would see online like some of them were guys that paid me more than what my price was and pretty much put me on game with stocks and with this and you know I didn't really get too involved in the stock market or in bitcoin or anything but the advice is appreciated you know and um you know the things I've learned from these guys are not just financial things they're definitely um people that I wouldn't necessarily say I look up to but have various different skill sets that can be utilized in so many aspects of your life so when i see clients they are not just money to me they are also experiences and if i can get more than just money out of it then it's even more rewarding you know and it makes it more enjoyable when it's not just about the sex and the transactional feelings and the comfort and the girlfriend experience whatever they're paying you for and this sugaring fucking scenario you know you just you just never know (laughs) so when I came back I came back and I was a completely different person I was blonde I was pink I was tan I was thin but like I owned it and I didn't own it before I was like so insecure still and I did sex work well but I didn't do it as well as I did it now. And like, I'm glad I had to hit rock bottom and go through that because I would not be as successful as I am now if I continued to be the hustler that I was before. If I never elevated my game because I took a step back to reflect, I wouldn't be here right now. So I'm grateful to all my coworkers, um, all the girls I dance with, except the ones I hate, you know who you fucking are. Um, I'm grateful for the bouncers, the DJs, the valets, you know, I'm grateful for my managers. I'm grateful for the owners. I'm grateful for my regulars. I'm grateful to everyone who has donated 
financially to my life or fulfilled me emotionally or sexually, you are appreciated. Um, you know, I am truly blessed and I am blessed because I also give just as much as I receive. And that's such a huge part of, I believe, um, is why I'm so successful. I really do. Um, I'm not cheap. I spend on myself more than I should because I believe that's a form of manifestation in itself. If you're just holding on to your money thinking that it's all you're ever going to have, that is all you're ever going to have. So I definitely don't live my life that way. I spoil everyone in my life. If you're in my life, you definitely know that. Um, and I do that because I can. You know, I want my pockets to bless other pockets. So if I would say one gift of advice to summarize how I make so much money it's by having gratitude and it's by giving more than you receive truthfully as much as I have been given is as much as I have tried to give other people and I always tip everybody out at the club even the valets and I don't even drive a freaking car but I appreciate them and they stand out there all night and they park these guys cars and they tell me who drives what vehicles so yeah of course you know no man left behind and even when I have big spenders come in I add girls to the room mostly they want multiple girls so I'm glad that I have girls that I can trust and that I like and I would want to share that moment with but literally, like my highest spender this year at the club was 25000 for me and two other girls for a portion of the night. And I feel like I generate that because that's not the first time where I've included people in my big spenders, you know. And they only spend more and more. And I don't drain their pockets each time. Don't drain their pockets each time and they will keep coming back, you know. You want to drain their pockets gradually but always take a substantial amount duh you know but don't be greedy it does not pay to be greedy you know like i said express gratitude give back and not all money is good money so know what money to stay away from too i am you know fortunate enough to where i don't have to take every dance i don't have to accept every dollar and i don't go back there with anybody that i don't want to go back there with or that is draining of my energy or makes me uncomfortable in any way because that's not how I make money that's not how I stay on my game and that's like I don't make money by lowering my standards that's what I have learned and I don't think anybody does but to each their own like I said um I truly believe that I have been blessed because of all the work that I've put in on myself internally and how much I share with others and you know I am a pretty nice fucking girl if you don't piss me off. But if you... I will be nice spice as long as you'll let me be nice spice. But then you're going to get the spice, okay? So I just want to, you know, let you guys know. I am always here for you guys to answer your questions and to be honest because I don't lie about my shit. Um, you know, I don't say anything to brag and it's always going to be a humble brag. And if I feel like bragging, I'll tell you it's because I fucking feel like bragging. And, you know, to become the top earner that I am at my club amongst, you know, a few other girls, I definitely feel so proud of myself, you know, and I don't like see anything wrong with being proud of that. I remember wanting to work at like 
wanting to be one of the top earners at my club when I first started there because I saw what those girls made and how good they had it and I was like damn and now I'm one of them so you can do it too it's so I'm not gonna say easy because it's not easy it's so much work okay unless you're one of the few percent that just has guys throwing themselves at you and making it rain like crazy y'all know how the weather is okay it doesn't always rain sometimes it's a light drizzle sometimes it ain't shit so be prepared for the slow nights be grateful for the busy nights and that's what really keeps me going you know i manifested so many big customers this year i manifested my highest paying sugar daddy and that was i was truly believing that i was a witch at that point Uh, that was crazy I literally wrote out that dollar amount and then he handed me that amount and that was the first time I touched my first 10k stack like that was insane I wrote that down in my deepest darkest point when I was leaving Orange County to come back to LA in a journal and a couple months later it came to fruition so once that happened I really started believing in myself even more because the power of manifestation the law of attraction the vibration at which you emit and at which you're vibrating is so important so keep your energy strong keep the people in your crowd good people keep your circle small less distractions and have a vision okay i'm here to answer any and all questions comments concerns you know the sugaring with spice hotline is up and running thank you guys so much for listening I know this episode was all over the place. I'm still getting used to this. I'm learning. Learn with me. Thank you guys for listening. This has been episode one from Bald to Blonde of Sugaring with Spice. Tune in for next week's episode.